home of the Pens and the best Pens coverage. WXDX FM Pittsburgh and iHeart Radio Station. If B follows A, then it's assumed that A caused B. The Penguins are 0-2 since the Broussard trade, so it's assumed that the trade is the reason the Penguins have lost those two games and allowed all those goals and blah, blah, blah. That is a flawed assumption. It's a timeline and not necessarily a connection. What hurt the Penguins most last night was bad puck management and bad goaltending. Lots of turnovers at both blue lines. And they could only hold a lead for 70 seconds. They allowed three goals in under six minutes. And at least three of the goals allowed were soft. That was the root of last night's problem. Bad puck management, bad goaltending, and overall sloppy defensive play. Not because Broussard came to Pittsburgh and Cole left. The Penguins lost 10-1 in Chicago in the second game of the season. The knife certainly came out then, but as it turned out, it wasn't the end of the world or the season. Over 82 games, there are ups and downs. Last night was a down. Bummer. Live with it and move on. But I have to add, after winning the last two Stanley Cups, You'd think the Pittsburgh hockey fan base wouldn't be so quick to point fingers with such glee. It's the same management, coaching, and core group of players. To act like things will fall apart because they traded a number five defenseman shows incredible lack of both patience and knowledge. Sick again, brought to you by 84 Lumber. Helping you build the right way since 1956. Now, the odds are the Penguins probably won't win the Stanley Cup. The odds are that any team probably won't win the Stanley Cup. As I mentioned earlier, you would always bet on the field, right? But the Cup will not have been lost because of the Broussard trade. Or the Cole trade, as history will remember it. 412-333-9939. If you're on my Twitter, you're in for a treat. I'm going to tweet out the new Twitter address for Yes, She's Back, the North Allegheny High School bolt-on stripper queen, Sarah Flaviano. Keep your eyes on my Twitter, at MarkMaddenX. That number to call again, 412-333-9939. I posted the uh, trailer for the second season of Brockmire. That's starring Hank Azaria as a washed-up baseball play-by-play guy on IFC. Season number two is set in New Orleans, where, as Brockmire says, every carnal pleasure was invented. That's true, so what could possibly go wrong? We're efforting to get Hank Azaria on the show. The reason I want to talk to him is because he invented that character. And it's uncanny because he sounds like every washed-up sportscaster I've known. Like, remember, this is a rotten thing to say because I think yesterday was the 10-year anniversary of his death, but I didn't like him, so here goes. For the last 10 years, and this will probably happen to me too, 
For the last 10 years, Myron Cope was a caricature of himself. He was imitating himself. He was a cartoon version of himself. Well, that's Brockmeyer. And I've known a, a lot of sports announcers like that. Although, you know who's not? Bill Hillgrove. Bill's been around forever. I give Bill credit. He has never stooped, uh, however unwittingly, to self-parody. I'm a big Bill Hillgrove guy. The Midnight Mayor of Conneaut Lake, PA. I'm curious to see how Sully handles Kessel if he continues to look like he's playing hurt for the sake of his consecutive game streak, which is 675 games. And that's a lot. Phil takes pride in that streak, even though he sloughs it off when people ask him about it. That's a tough one if you're a coach, because you can't just tell the guy he's not playing. I mean, you can, but he'll get pissed. I remember Craig Adams. He would suck and suck and suck and suck and suck and suck and suck. But he had a consecutive game streak, so Bosma would never bench him. And that was the residue of Adams going into the coach's office and having a coffee with him and kissing ass mercilessly. You know, he he was a buddy of Bowsman. He never sat no matter how bad he was. I mean, you know how some guys stick around in one place a year too long? Adzi was here like five years too long. And it felt like longer. And I'm not even sure how long he was here. But it felt like too long. Although, he, to be totally fair, he was a real big contributor on the first Stanley Cup team. He was a real good fourth-line style player on that team. Let's go to Johnny on the road. How about some coffee, Johnny? Hey, Mark. Uh, I'm not here to argue with you, but you're wrong on this Ian Cole thing. Well, then, then no, hold it. Then you are here to argue with me. So go ahead. No, I'm not. No, I'm not arguing. No, 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 no. You're wrong. If you no, no, no. If you tell me that I'm wrong about the Ian Cole trade, then you are here to argue with me. No, you need to shut up for a second because it's my show. Even though you have a voice like frickin' Foghorn Leghorn. You need to shut up. If you if you think the cold trade was a bad trade, you are here to argue with me. So tell me why it was a bad trade. Bro, you, you're trolling like a simpleton. Spit out whatever's in your mouth, God knows, and tell me in clear words why the cold trade was a bad trade. And don't have it reflect on me. Because you came out, you came out, see, once again, uh, put this guy on hold. Put this guy on hold. Okay, you can hear me, nobody can hear you. So I'm going to give you 10 seconds when I take you off hold to tell me why the cold trade was a bad trade. Because honestly, you've spoken incoherently so far. Incoherently. Go ahead. On this, and you're wrong because of your last caller's simple remark. One Mississippi. It's about chemistry. Two Mississippi. About, you took the three Mississippi. Best defensemen on this Four Mississippi. And dumped them. Five Mississippi. Sullivan didn't like Six them. Mississippi. Seven Mississippi. Mark. Eight Mississippi. Okay, okay, stop for a second. You got your 10 Mississippi. He was the number what defenseman? He was the number three defenseman on the Oh, team. kiss my ass in hell, you simpleton. Who's he better? Who, who are the two that are better than him? Latang and Olimata. Okay, so, so he's better than Dumo and Schultz. Absolutely. Bro, bro where, where, where are you calling from? I'm on the corner. Because no, I thought it would either be Fantasyland or an alternate reality. Any, Better than Dublin and Schultz. On what planet, you simpleton? He was great coming from the playoff angle. He was down there. He was in the dirt. Down places. where? 
block your shots. You said the other day, who's going to block? Someone said, who's going to well, block? No, you know, I figured out where you're calling from. You're calling from the 60s. Somebody else. This is that 60s show. Nobody else is going to block those shots, Mark. Nobody's going to block the shots. It's a bigger... Nobody's going to block the shots. Nobody's going to block the shots. Nobody's going to block the shots. No, it's it's not. No, what they did was, in a 31-team league with a salary cap, every team's going to have certain soft spots. They just are. The Penguins have less than most. They were weak at third-line center, so they became a little weaker on defense to shore up third-line center because separating Kessel, Malkin, and Crosby is important to this coach. But they're fine on defense. You act like Ian Cole's Doug Harvey, which he's not. And he's certainly not better than Dumoulin or Schultz. That's just... that. No, 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 bro. Well, here's the thing. Here's where you're stupid. I mean, in many ways, you're stupid. But, 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 but no, 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 no. You shut up and listen. For every point you make, you blow it up with, with two things that are absurd. Like Cole being better than Schultz or Dumoulin. Even the, Schultz fan, even the Cole fans out there. Who don't think the trade should be made to say, well, you know what? Crackpot Johnny. You know, Cole ain't better than Schultz and Duma when he's blowing our case. Chemistry, Mark. Locker well, room chemistry. That's, that's, it's, a, it's fiction. Oh. Okay, okay, well, okay, you know what? Three weeks from now, you'll be, you'll be screaming how. Three weeks from now, I'll still be making a lot more money than you, Junior. Three weeks from now, I'll be making a lot. You know what? I do flip all the time because. When circumstances change, so do opinions. Okay? It's not politics. I don't have to keep my campaign promises, and none of them ever do anyway. You're much smarter than me in hockey, and I'll give you that. I'm much smarter than you, period. Let's let's get that clear. Thank you, sir, for your time. F off and, well, don't die. Just get real sick. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. I was in such a good mood with the White House cherry ice cream from Isley's. And the skyscraper cone scoop. Okay, up next, Staggy, the king of old school, John Steigerwald, 105.9. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Um, what do you think about the new, I can't remember what I called, sorry. Really? Awesome call. The X at 105.9. Joining me now in studio, 40 years in broadcasting, author of two books. He is the king of old school. John Steiger, Walt Stag. The Pens got killed last night, Ooh. and there's panic in the streets. You'd think it was June and not early March. Yeah, I and I uh, tweeted earlier today, um, if I'm going to panic, and I'm not panicking, I just I, I did some math, took me a while, but it, uh, three games is 127th of the season. I think it might be a little bit, I don't know, over the top to put a whole lot, a whole lot of stock in it, but um, I would, if I was going to be, if, if I was looking for something to be worried about I would look at the Devils game more than the game last night. The game last night was just three nothing, a minute and a half in, and the game's over and you know it was a it was a disaster. But the but bad goaltending. Yeah, all that. But the, the I was shocked at the speed that the Devils had. Uh getting Grabner all off obviously helped and I mean added to it what they already had. And they're they're a team that's um I, that's not a team I'd like to see in the playoffs. I think they're they they look and they and they're going to get their goaltender back. And by the way, speaking of getting people back, I haven't heard anybody mention that Bergeron was out last night and they scored eight goals. Uh yeah. Uh, well, part of that was that Murray was out. Yeah, I know, but still. And, and the Bruins scored eight goals. I thought I thought at least three of those goals were soft, and most yeah. of the soft goals came early. Now, what's your take on the Brassard trade? Because there seems to be a lot of buyer's remorse among the fans, about losing Ian Cole. 
Um, well, it means nothing that they lost two games since he's been here. Uh, that, that's number one. Number two, uh, since he is the new guy, I've been – and the two games that I watched, and I'm watching him on TV, not in person, but um, I spent a lot of time just watching him, and I've seen him I, – I know why they got him. You can see the things that he does. I mean, they didn't result in wins in the last two games, but I've seen him make some really good defensive plays. He's really good on face-offs. I don't know what his stats are on face-offs in the two games, but he, it looks to me like he's a really good face-off guy, and um, he's he's got great hands. And he's it's just he he's playing with a team for for he didn't even get a how, how many practices did he get in one, if that, and so you know give him a chance. Until the guys he's playing with figure out what he can do, and he can figure out what they do, and then let's uh, judge the trade. But I, I, I just watch him individually, and I can you can see the skill and the defense and and the uh, uh, just everything about him. He's I know why they got him. Now the backup goalies each had a nightmare last night. Ooh. I think if there would have been a third goalie <laughs> available, uh, Sullivan would have lifted Jari and put him in. It makes you appreciate what a unique situation the Penguins had the last two years Ooh. with Mark Andre Fleury and Matt Murray. Absolutely, I, I thought that Fleury would be the guy they would miss the most of all the guys they lost uh, in June, and um, I still believe that. I, I, what, what Matt Murray look, Matt Murray doesn't have to prove to anybody that he's a good goaltender. He's got two Stanley Cup rings to show that, uh, but he has not shown that he can play 80, 80 games in a season, which is pretty much what you have to do. If you're a number one goaltender and you're going to go to the Stanley Cup Finals, uh, you know you got to play 60, 60 regular season, twenty, twenty-five in the playoffs, and he hasn't shown an ability to do that yet. And so he, you have Matt Murray now, but you got a couple of guys behind him you know nothing about. Uh, Jari it looks a little bit better than DeSmith, but you don't know that much about him either. If if Murray would go down for any length of time, you know well, how much he could take the number one job and what he would do with it. Well, you're on record as saying you'd have traded Murray and kept Flurry. Yeah, and you're on record as saying no general manager would ever have done not that. Not one. Yeah, I know not that. Not one general manager in the NHL would have done that. I know that, but that's not how I operate. I I, my, I just made that statement. I'm not a general manager, so I'm allowed to think that without any repercussions. But I, I will. what I think about Flurry and Murray is that they're both great goaltenders, but I think that for a lot of reasons – over the next three years, uh, I thought this back in June, over the next three years, Marc-Andre Fleury will be a better goaltender than Matt Murray. Now, whether that means that the, the Penguins could have figured out a way to keep Fleury uh, with the cap, if they had traded Murray, they would have gotten a huge return. I think, and I'm on record as saying, I think Fleury will be a better goaltender the next three years. So far, I think he's, I think you could say, even though he was out for a long time himself. Well, and Murray's been hurt some, too. Yeah. Also, the stats can be deceiving, though, and I'm certainly not taking away from Flurry's performance in Vegas. I think they can be deceiving both sides. But, uh, right, because the Penguins play wide open and Vegas doesn't. Right. So, right, and also, but, you know, people people will look at Flurry's stats and Murray's stats in the playoffs, but um, I I think Murray was better in his first, in the two series he played. I'm sorry, Flurry was better in the two series he played than Murray was in the two that he played. Because yeah. he, and he played against the Capitals, and, um, and and that's a little tougher than Ottawa, and even a little tougher than Nashville, as far as from a goalie standpoint. Yeah, uh, well, getting back to the current day, uh, regarding the big loss last night, 8-4. Yeah. First off, it reminded me when they lost 10-1 to in Game 2 yeah. of the season against Chicago, and obviously things kind of straightened out from there. And people don't get, or more likely they ignore, that 82 games is a lot of games. I don't see one bad week as dismissing the Penguins 
uh, Stanley Cup contenders. As I said, three games is one twenty seventh of the season. Uh, what's that like? Uh, one quarter of the of the Steelers season. Uh, that's that's what three three games is in a in a, uh, a one quarter of one game in a Steelers season. It's it's and and there are factors. You, you you did have a shake up in the team, and the team does have to adjust to that. And here's another thing that I don't think I think people are underestimating. And I know we've talked about it, and everybody has talked about it to a degree. But I, I wonder if people are giving enough uh, credit to the other team's ability, not ability, but desire to beat the Penguins because the Penguins are the Penguins. You have to believe that when the Penguins come into a place like Boston, the fans get cranked up, it, the, the building becomes electric, there becomes a playoff atmosphere for the Bruins because this is the Penguins. They've got a couple of new guys. They want to show what they can do, and it's against the Penguins. I, there's, there's, some, there's some uh some advantage that won't exist in the playoffs that does exist in the in the regular season because one team is going to be a little bit more cranked up than the Penguins are just because the Penguins are the Penguins and they've won two cups. We're talking to John Steigerwald. And I think that was a factor last night and and with New Jersey. He's brought to you by Matt Mertz Plumbing Cut on a name you can trust. Uh, today is the twelfth uh, the twenty fifth anniversary of Mario Lemieux coming back from cancer treatment, and he scored thirty goals in twenty games after <laughs> coming back from cancer treatment. Uh, yeah. Mario did a lot that was nuts, but that stretch there to overhaul Pat LaFontaine for the scoring title after having been treated for cancer, uh, that's right up there, isn't it? He's the best player I've ever seen in any team sport ever. I've been watching sports for a long time. Best I've ever seen, and that might be Exhibit A. Exhibit B, aside from just the general, just watching him for his entire career, Exhibit B might be sitting out for three and a half years, coming back at the age of 35, and being the best player in the league 30 seconds after he stepped on the ice in his first game. That's why he's the best I've ever seen in any team sport ever. And he's the best hockey player who ever lived, and you can show me stats till the, all you want. It doesn't matter. I saw it. No, that's just what you just said there, what he did coming back from cancer. It's ridiculous for a person to do that. You can't do that. And I mean, if you do that and you come back to play in the, you know, for the for the Wheeling Nailers, but I mean, we're talking about coming back to the NHL and then winning the scoring title, and 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 somebody pointed out today on Twitter that he'd be like just the numbers that he put up in those twenty four games, he'd be like eighth in the league in scoring right now, in the right now, oh, right now, numbers. that's right. Well, yeah. different time, but yeah, still, but still, but still a one of a kind player yeah. to be sure. Now, what's your take on the Sean Miller situation, oh, the Blackhawk kid who coaches at Arizona? It looks like ESPN got caught reporting wrong info. Well, the Sports Illustrated has disproven the ESPN story in a much more factual manner than ESPN put forth its original story. But ESPN is still insisting it's right, despite Sports Illustrated proving the contrary. It looks like a tangled web for somebody, and I think it's tangled mostly for ESPN. Yep, there's three versions out there. There's ESPNs, there's Miller's, which it took him a few days to come up with. Because uh, I'm sure he wanted to make sure he, I mean, obviously he he wanted to be smart about denying it and how he denied it. And then there's a Sports Illustrated story saying that ESPN got it wrong. Here's my question for you, as a uh, learned journalist that you are. Yeah. Um, if you if you are the guy who wrote that story for ESPN or who reported, I don't know if it showed up first on ESPN.com or showed up as a story on ESPN, whatever. Whoever the reporter is. Should he be fired? Should he have been fired by lunchtime today? If if they got if he got it wrong, 
How do you keep your job? That you, you, you well, especially you, in a story designed to make Sean Miller get fired. Oh my God! When you get it, it wrong, not just get fired, be ruined for life. Right, right. I agree. But ESPN, like I said in in an earlier segment, for ESPN to be wrong, be proven wrong, and still say it's right, is so ESPN. It's it's a they have a, a almost a monopoly. On you know on uh, the national sports network, you can say FS1 and some of these other networks that are out there. But ESPN still is has a monopoly on being the national sports network, and so they they can they can stand up a little bit uh, for a little bit longer in situations like this because they are a monopoly and they have nobody you know there's there's nobody else knocking them down except SI now is trying to do that and normally. There's not somebody else coming up and and calling out ESPN, which I'm glad he, uh, SI did. Hey, I wrote a column last week uh, based on the ESPN story saying Sean Miller's done. I mean, forget it. He's history. Uh, I mean, Even worse, you might have had to coach Pitt. Right. <laughs> and I'm going to write another one tomorrow apologizing to Sean Miller. I got to. How, how do you, I mean, now, if Sean Miller is, is lying, which I'm not ruling out, I don't know, you know, he has every reason, not every reason, but... He would have good reason to lie if he wants to save his $2 million a year job and his reputation and everything, if he thinks he can get away with it. But right now, it looks to me like, I forget the guy's name, but whoever it is that did the story for ESPN, he should be fired and and um, never get another job if, if he got this story wrong. That, that's a big one. Now, first it was David Fries, then it was Josh Harrison. Now, Andrew McCutcheon says the Pirates should have spent more and done more and tried more. I got two questions. Why is this being treated as revelatory that these guys said this? Because we all knew that to be the case. Right. And what good does it do for them to say it now? None. And um, I don't know. Again, this this is going to be, I think this is going to be the theme this year. And um, how bad the Pirates are uh, is going to determine how much it's talked about. You, you know what's funny? I don't think they're going to be that bad. You mean, they might, you mean what, I, what I do you mean, gonna, like I, 85 wins or 80 wins? I think they're going to lose. They, they won 87 last year, right? They won 77. Is that, uh, the Pirates? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm, it's, that's what I meant, 77. Yeah, yeah, 77 yeah. and uh, yeah. 85, correct? Yeah. I think something like that, yeah. Uh, you no, know, what I meant, I, they, they lost 85. Yeah. I think they're going to lose like 87. It'll be worse, but not a lot worse. Yeah, I don't think they're they, – they maybe end up being better, and you never I know. I almost predicted them to win 90 games by, by virtue of not doing math well. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but – the theme, I've I've heard from people and seen people on Twitter uh, saying it, and I've heard people calling talk shows. I've heard a lot of relatively intelligent sounding people uh, say, I, "I've gone to twenty five games a year. I'm a big fan. I've gone to twenty games a year. I'm going to zero this year." I mean, I've heard a lot of people say that, and I think there's a lot of that out there. And that's going to be the theme this year. And forget about what McCutcheon says. Forget about what uh, Free says. Any, what anybody, any player says. It still comes down to the fans. I see. I have people respond to me on Twitter saying, "I don't care. I'm a pirate fan, and I like to go to games." Well, and, then you're an idiot. Go ahead. But you know that's what you're. You don't think Bob Nutting knows that? Just keep giving him your money. And well, that's, that's the why thing. I don't think attendance is going to drop a lot this year. It's already dropped six hundred k over that's the last two years. That is a lot. And I think most of the people who are going to stop going have already stopped going. I bet attendance this year drops by like another 100K, 125K. See, and what you have to understand, I think anyway, is that it's not it's not so much – it's every bit as much the same people going less often as it is yes. the, the, the same people not showing up right. at all. So 
the people who went to 10 games, they might go to opening day and then... Oh, actually, that's by far the most of the drop. Yeah, it's it's you, people go, you know, especially if, if you're somebody who lives uh, uh, out of town and it's a long, it's a big deal to come into Pittsburgh. If you're from Johnstown or someplace and they're 42 games out in July, you're not coming in. Conversely, when they're winning, if you normally go to 10 games a year when they're like, you know, 500, right. come July, oh, they playing tonight? Yep. Oh wait, they've won two in a row. They playing tonight, and, and it just it it, it steamrolls. Not only that, uh, they're playing. Uh, the Cardinals are in town next week, and the Pirates are only one game out of first place behind them. Uh, I better get my tickets now because there aren't going to be any good ones next week. Now, would you like some Isley's ice cream? I think we have some left out. I do like eight. Isley's ice cream. Yeah, you know, they, you know what they gave me today? I saw, I heard a skyscraper scoop. So you you can act, but does it work in a in a in a regular carton of ice cream? Yeah, I, they showed me how to do it. You know, you you can you can build up your uh, triceps with that. I intend time. to. Yeah. To 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 do better at making the skyscraper go. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Do you think how many people out there don't know what we're talking about? Uh, all the ones I don't care about. Yeah, I don't care about them either. But they, if they don't know what we're talking about, and if they're Pittsburghers, they really ought to learn. You know, you know what the sad part is, and I got to straighten this out. In fact, I'm going to start my campaign now. There are three remaining local Isley's uh, stores. Are they still? I didn't even know that. There's one. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Yeah, Mark. What is it, buddy? Hi, buddy. Hey, Mr. Madden. How you doing? What, up? what if they wore assless chaps? Would that help at all? If they what? DX at 105.9. Here's a couple cold, hard realities because of the Derek Broussard trade. Not bad realities, but they definitely are realities. One is the Penguins are a three-line team now. Fourth line is going to see very limited use and be mostly utilized to store penalty killers like Kuhn Hockle and Rowney. Fourth line was on for two even strength goals against last night. And given how little the fourth line played, that's really bad. But the Penguins are going to be a three-line team moving forward. Uh, the other reality is, come playoff time, the Penguins are mostly going to use four defensemen. Uh, namely Latang, Brian Dumoulin, Oli Mata, and Justin Schultz. And that's certainly not unheard of because many teams use that philosophy in the postseason, lean on the top four very heavily, notably Nashville last spring, and they had an injury on defense and still got to the Stanley Cup final. And injuries on defense certainly could give the Penguins trouble, but injuries dog every team. The Stanley Cup playoffs are a long two months. Look at last year. Uh, Latang was hurt for the entire postseason, but the Penguins got a little bit lucky. They still had Trevor Daly to skate and move the puck. Not Chris Latang, but it's fair to call him Chris Latang White. And they had Ron Hainsey, who came in and played way above expectations. Now, maybe Hunwick can do the same given chance in these playoffs. And as I mentioned yesterday, I got one thing wrong. Hunwick didn't lead the Maple Leafs defense in minutes per game in the playoffs, but he did average almost 26 minutes of playing time for Toronto in last year's postseason. So he's absolutely proven capable before. And if you'll recall, uh, Toronto pushed Washington to the very limit uh, before the Capitals eliminated them. And then, of course, the Penguins eliminated the Capitals, just like always. Got a few lines open. 
People get lazy and don't call when we don't take calls for a while, but lines are open now, 412-333-9939. I mentioned before to one of those dill hole callers that the Penguins' soft spot had been third-line center. They traded that soft spot for another soft spot, bottom pair defense. you got to listen to the logic of stuff I say because – I am a lot smarter than you in general, and my hockey IQ is way higher than yours. In a 31-team league with a salary cap, every team is going to have weaker spots. The Penguins have less than most. Their whole game plan is designed on splitting Kessel, Malkin, and Crosby up among three lines, and they needed a better third-line center than Riley Shayan to facilitate doing that. That's why they took what was definitely a calculated risk in trading Ian Cole in a deal that brought back Derek Broussard. I do have to laugh, though. I heard people calling and tweeting about, well, the Bruins took advantage of the Penguins without Reeves. Everyone wanted to run Reeves out of town up until the minute he was out of town. I don't understand your hurriedness to criticize management all the time, especially when this management has done such a great job. The bottom line is you're a bunch of dinks. Seriously. You're a bunch of fair-weather, ungrateful sons of bitches. That's what you are. Let's go to Jordan in the car. Jordan, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hey, Mark. Yeah, I, I agree with you on this trade thing. You know, I like the trade for all the reasons that have already been talked about. And as far as the people complaining that you know this has hurt team chemistry, they seem to forget that you know we traded away uh, Colby Armstrong, one of Crosby's buds. We made the finals that year. We lost Colin. We lost Flurry. We lost Kunitz. Great locker room guys by all accounts. And we're still one of the best teams in the league this year. Well, yeah, you look at 2013, people say that Ray Shiro screwed up the chemistry by trading for Aginla and Murray and Jokinen and Morrow. But uh, the reason that those trades didn't help was because Bilesman didn't have the guts to tell Sid that Duper was off his line and Aginla was on it. I mean, Ray Shiro got Aginla to specifically play with Crosby, and Bosman didn't have the guts to tell Sid that he couldn't play with Duper. And here's the thing. Sid would never say, hey, I want to play with Duper, to the coach. But Sid would say to the media, oh, I'm happy with Cooney and Duper. They're fine by me. And Dan would take that like a papal bull. You know what's weird about Dan and Ray? Dan and Ray didn't give the superstar special treatment. That's why Ray is so happy right now in New Jersey a team with minimal stars. And Dan, I don't even know what he's doing now. The world needs ditch diggers too. But uh, but uh, they 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 didn't give the star special treatment in Pittsburgh, but they were scared of him at the same time. That's a odd combination. Uh, by the way, again, getting back to the risk of being weaker on defense but being stronger at center. What do you think was more likely? Then Hunwick can close the gap on Cole's play and be a serviceable number five for the playoffs? Or that Riley Shane at center would be able to provide proper service for Phil Kessel and make that a viable third line within the context of Mike Sullivan's plan to keep the three stars on different trios? What's more likely? Because I'd bet on Hunwick before I'd bet on Shane. Let's go to our good friend calling from Sluggo's Bar. Oh, no, wait, calling today from Bomb Boulevard. It is the Hebrew Hammer, Hammer, 
Yakshimash. Yakshimash. Hey, uh, Mark, uh, the Penguins in the playoffs, uh, before I get to that point, uh, I think people are, people get ahead of themselves too much. And what I mean by that is when the Penguins were on a roll about a week, two, three weeks ago, they didn't realize that it was still February. So people were yelling three-peat, three-peat, three-peat when there's still like 25 games in the season. And even now, people well, are on the fair, other side. to be fair, that's part of the fun. Well, that is part of the fun of being a fan. But now people are like about to jump off the uh, you know, 10th Street bypass. And one thing I want to add by, by way of responding to a tweeter very quickly here, Hammer. Sure. The Penguins didn't necessarily want to trade Ian Cole in that deal. But they had to trade him as a make weight for the cap. Exactly. So go ahead. So anyhow, now people are on the other side, and they're you know they're jumping off bridges all over town. But there's that still true? like, excuse me. Go ahead. There's still like 15 games left, and to your point, you were talking to the uh, I don't know who the blowhard was, but um, the guest and. What you were saying is, uh, who are they going to play? Are they going to play Philly? Or where are they going to drop? Are they going to be a one, two, whatever? It doesn't matter. It seems in hockey. I mean, they could just be like the last team in. And no, I'll give an example. Worst case scenario, they drop to the second wild card, play Tampa in the first round. I wouldn't mind playing Tampa in the first round. You know why? If you beat Tampa in the first round, you're probably going to get to the Stanley Cup final. If you lose to Tampa in the first round, you weren't going to win the Stanley Cup anyway, and we could all have a couple drinks. Well, that's right. I mean, just get it out of the way. So, I mean, in hockey, of all the sports, it just seems like uh, people will just, just get in the playoffs, and then if you're good, you'll, you'll win, and if you don't, you, you know, I hate to say you stink, but you're just not that good in the playoffs. That's your cue. Uh, traffic's killing. 105.9 X. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, Mark. Hey. Hey, what's How you doing, buddy? Let me check. Let me see what I'm wearing today. Yep, my shoes cost more than your house. The X at 105.9. Double M on the X. Joined now by Bob McLaughlin. Bob brought you to 84 Lumber. Bob, uh, did you enjoy the Isley's uh, White House Cherry? That's what it's called. White House Cherry, that's the name of it? Yeah, White House Cherry. That's the traditional big flavor from Isley's back in the day. I thought it was terrific. What's funny is that I totally forgot about it for some reason. You know, I'm a mint chocolate chip guy, uh, and I remember going to the Isley's in Bethel and getting mint chocolate chip. But I do remember that that was their signature. We would get that every once in a while, and I remembered it because it's not like just cherry ice cream. No, you know? it's vanilla ice cream with every so often you bite into a cherry. Yeah, yeah, well put. And it's and very it's, rich and flavorful <laughs> vanilla as well. It's perfect, yeah, and it was it was great to have them. Thanks to uh, uh, Herb and Jen for coming in again. That was really cool. And as soon as you got yours and Sean McDowell wandered in here and got his, Mark, there was a parade into our kitchen out there for people because that's that's Isley's. That's what people are hankering for well, Isley's. I feel good about that, Bob, because usually I'm the biggest freeloader in the building. So for somebody to suckle at my, uh, you know what, was was a refreshing change for everybody, I'm thinking. Um, Bob, I put forth a theory, and I want the uh, hoi poi to comment at 412-333-WXDX. But I talked about how the Penguins took a risk by weakening their defense to strengthen third-line center because their whole plan is to have Kessel, Geno, and sit on different lines. What do you think, uh, in theory, is more likely to happen? For Hunwick between now and the playoffs – 
to play his way up to the level Cole had been at, which, no matter what people want to romanticize, is not that much higher than Hunwick's, although definitely a different style. Or for Shane to be a proper center and provide proper service for Phil Kessel. Um, before you, uh, you know, gave your thoughts on that earlier in the show, I would have said Shahan, uh, being a proper center for Phil Kessel, um, just because I had seen some success from him, you know, over the last couple of weeks. Now, this isn't the success that the Penguins are looking for with somebody with like Broussard in that spot. Um, but look, Hunwick's never going to be able to do some of the things that Ian Cole does just because of his size, just because of, you know, he just doesn't have, he's not the same kind of player. Like the shot blocking and stuff like that has to be organic. You can't just say to somebody, okay, now block shots. I mean, Hunwick blocks his share, but Cole was very good and very dedicated to the craft. Right. And he's not, you know, Hunwick's going to be a better skater. So they both had their plus Better with the puck. Quicker everything. Quicker everything. Like I said in my column for the trip I'm writing for Sunday, Quicker hands, quicker thought, quicker skates. Yeah, uh, so I would say Hunwick. My final answer would be I would say Hunwick to get to where you know Cole was at his level because no matter what that guy said in the three o'clock hour, you know Cole was never a number three. <laughs> He's never going to be a number three. Uh, and any argument you know against that is you know blatantly wrong. But um, Hunwick's back on his side now. He's more comfortable there. Yeah, it's been a tough stretch of games, but he can improve. You know. He he hasn't been in the league that long and been able to do the things he does because he's just absolutely terrible. Although that is what many of the hoi poi would have us it's think. It's the narrative right now, and people just jump onto it. I mean, he he hasn't been good. Let's just say that. He can get better. He's not going to play this bad for this long. That's Bob McLaughlin brought you by 84 Lumber. In 30 seconds, somebody makes the list, and you're going to be glad this guy finally makes the list, even though the reason for him making the list is kind of convoluted. 105.9 The X.